Welcome, welcome, Mr. Temple Number Seven Podcast, Episode Three, with Kev and John. Folks, what's up? So, look, um, today we want to talk about psychedelics. Um, I admit this is not something that I know a lot about, but it's something that John, you speak about a lot, and it made me want to talk about it on the podcast as a way to just put more information out here about this because you really do swear by it. And I am going to say right here in the front of the show that I have committed to trying this after so many personal conversations telling you, no, I could never, because the thing is when I smoke weed, sometimes I get spaced out and crazy things happen to me. I feel like, so I just always felt like no way I could do something like mushrooms or whatever and be able to actually keep my sanity. But the way that you've talked about it has made me feel like, okay, I will be truly willing to try this. But we want to start the show by speaking about some of the breakthroughs that have happened that may make plant-based what's considered drugs like this, um, something that um, is going to change. I mean, as far as the access, as far as just how they're looked at legally, things of that nature. So I want to get into the fact that early November of this year, 2020, Oregon decriminalized all plant-based drugs. All drugs. All drugs. And in D.C., plant-based drugs have been decriminalized. But I want to now I want to kick it to you so that you can put us down. The guy we don't we've had an expert for the first two episodes this time. You are our expert (laughs) on this subject. So I'm kicking it to you. Take the go ahead and take the reins here and let us know well, what's going on. Just for the record, people, by by no means am I expert, but I am <laughs> I, a student. No, you're an expert. I'm a student, <laughs> and I continue to learn. Um, but it's it's, it's beautiful uh, situation we have in our climate uh, as it relates to, um, you know, the the view of psychedelics uh, from a legal perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, entheogens are essentially the plant based or um, fungi. Um, substances that, um, you know, create a psychedelic effect, a psychoactive effect, Mm -hmm. so much so that it changes your conscious state. Uh, These are often been used for religious or spiritual practices. Um, And there's been very little um, federally validated studies um, on these substances because of the war on drugs, uh, the scheduling on the the DEA um, schedule. Uh, for controlled substances um, and, and things like that. So we've we've gone through a period of American history where we've combated reefer madness, and now here we are, with marijuana being a Schedule One drug that har- you know used to carry a harsh penalty. Mm-hmm. We're now starting to acknowledge that there is medicinal value. The whole purpose of having a Schedule One drug, if anybody knows anything about the five DEA schedules, Schedule One drugs are the big dogs that get you penalties in jail aside from cocaine and crack. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are those are not Schedule One drugs. Why but, not? Um, you got to ask a DEA <laughs> agent. But the uh, you know psilocybin, LSD, is cocaine? No, cocaine. I don't believe is on there. Is marijuana? Um, and that's strange. Uh, you know, these are strong psychoactive drugs. These do change your conscious state. Uh, my experiences with cocaine did not do that. Um, in fact, uh, well, that's for another day. I'm not going to sit here and try to. Um, I would not recommend doing cocaine. That's that's the. By the way, this this show is 
not uh, encouraging any type of uses for educational purposes only. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to do it. Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, and, and look at this. This is the thing about, I, th- I think what happens with this environment, the reason why we have such fear surrounding psychedelics, when I've talked to many people, they had the same response that you've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, oh, no, I could never do that. I'll, I'm going to go crazy. And that is, like I said, this was going on in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, reefer madness. Uh, you're going to go crazy if you get high and kill your friends, do all kinds of crazy stuff. Or black men get very crazy when they smoke weed. That was, that was really... Uh, a political yeah, push. Yeah, race, racism was built into the the way that marijuana was depicted, especially due to reefer madness, where I think black men were like raping white women yeah. in, in, oh, the, in the movie. Yeah, and it was this is that's insanity. You know that those are these are all elements to create a paint a picture for mainstream America to see. All the while, when we look at psychedelics, they psilocybin mushrooms, a primary example have been in the, in uh, you know, uh, they've, they've been useful in societies for over 9,000 years. And here we are in 2020, still scared. But civilizations were built uh, because of the level of I consciousness. Think, I think the first thing we got to do is uh, accept that uh, human beings have been around for 9,000. Some people who wouldn't even believe that, what you just said. Yeah, I mean, that, that, hey, look, I read that on the internet. I never met a 9,000-year-old person, so I don't know. <laughs> you know but uh, at the same time, um, my experiences have allowed for me to neutralize that fear and uh, pitch to people how useful these substances can be, especially for psilocybin, uh, which is, uh, I think... Certainly a little bit more elevated than uh, substances, marijuana. But uh, I think if you smoke marijuana, enjoy marijuana, you would appreciate psilocybin. But all that being said, psilocybin mushrooms, peyote, heard of that? I have heard of peyote. What is peyote? Peyote is, if I'm not mistaken, it's the the Native Americans like the peyote. The pepe, as they call it. San Pedro, these are cactus. And ayahuasca, um, these are all what are considered entheogens. Did this all come from the natives? Well, they grow, many of them grow down South America. Okay. Um, I think, is it um, San Pedro? uh, Is it Peru, where I think that's very common? Um, But, you know, South America is where a lot of these practices are um, really um, handled in a spiritual sense, uh, spiritual environment. Mm Mm-hmm. But antheogens are chemical substances that are typically plants. And once they're ingested, they produce a, a state of consciousness, an un, unordinary state of consciousness. And these are typically handled in, in spiritual, uh, spiritual arena. Um, but look, antheogens are the oldest known used substances uh, to mankind. And so this name was actually coined uh, as a means of removing the stigma, having it classified as more of a medicine than a drug. And I, I really feel that, that if you... If, and by that you mean entheogens is... is yeah, is, okay. The, the term entheogen was coined by, by scholars to, um, you know, to, uh, remove the stigma, the negative stigma, and um, highlight the medicinal value that these substances have. Because here's the thing, the Schedule One um, designation is means that a substance has the potential to be abused and offers no medicinal value. So marijuana, again, is, is a Schedule One drug, and we, we know that since it's been tested federally, 
that has been accepted federally as something that has Maybe that's why value. cocaine and crack aren't there because they the bases of those drugs are literally used in medicine. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Uh, it probably they still are. It also now makes sense. Yeah. Now I, that I heard you say that. But if you if you create a war on drugs, the DEA and like I said, and I'm we can get it we can get into that um, as to why these particular uh, psychedelics are viewed the way it is. It's a long backstory that actually dates back to before the common era. Um, as to What's why the common era? What you mean? Well, before one AD. Okay. Yeah. So before that's BC, and uh, but psilocybin mushrooms, um, which you know I've grown myself, um, I've ingested, uh, and I've tripped and. Um, I've I've spoken to you about my experiences a number of times, and obviously, I, well, I don't know if I've, I've gone crazy. I don't think I've gone crazy as a result of the substances, but um, I found that they did offer huge psychological um, advantages for me. Um, I, I did receive a, um, I did experience very positive things after the trip, unlike alcohol, which is legal. Um, to most people in, in, in the United States, to most citizens. Um, but it's not encouraged to use, to, to drink alcohol. Uh, the use of alcohol is abused a lot more. And um, I, I, I think if you find, it, you'll find in the community, the psychonauts, the people that use psychedelics, um, they encourage encourage responsible use of these substances. So, that's another reason why you shouldn't necessarily worry about losing your mind or anything like that. If you're prepared, you shouldn't have any fear. Uh, and so fear often spawns bad responses, bad trips, things of that nature. So um, once we get into the, the, the legality. Um, so you're saying that fear is what sends people on the bad trips? Well, when I when people tell me what does that mean? Well, when I when people tell me ask uh, say oh I heard about these bad trips. There's a couple of things to that. I, I ask these questions. I say how old was the person that had a bad trip, mm-hmm. and who were they around? Where were they? Mm-hmm. Um, set and setting are the foundational um, preparations that you have to to have. I'm sorry to laugh. I was just thinking about something. I'm sorry. I <laughs> want to let you finish what you're saying, and I'll, I'll tell you what I'm laughing. About. Okay. Right. Yeah, well, set and setting are the the foundational preparations that you must make in order to have a enjoy your trip. Light some candles. Uh, I mean, that could be part of it, but set and setting means it, it. It just simply means who are you around? What state of mind are you in? And uh, what's your environment like? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that things that make you feel good are part of your set and setting. You know, if you're in a good frame of mind, um, that's that's a good that's a good that's a good opportunity for you to have a good trip. But if you just got out of a breakup, you just got evicted, the remedy for that situation to help you mentally deal with that situation is not psilocybin mushrooms. Okay, because it sounds like yeah, you're saying they're not meant to be used the way that people would use yeah. alcohol or weed, like, oh man, I'm having a bad day. It's not a getaway I need drug. A drink. It's not a getaway substance. It's about opening up your your chakras and shit like that, huh? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, in, in in a way, and I don't think you have to be that spiritually aware to to you know have a good trip and and you know and yeah, certainly you can have a, a awakening. Um, but I, I think what happened when you can you if you go into a trip with some intent, I think that also sets you up for having a good trip. However, 
once you get into the trip, your intent, you might forget it because there's nothing in my experience. There was nothing you could prepare for in the trip. It's just, it's just happening. Uh, but it, it's, ha- but you know, is the marvel of it is actually identifying the things that your brain can do that you don't normally see. I don't like when you talk about trips. Oh, okay. When you talk about trips, I instantly start being like, no way I'm ever going to do this. When well, you talk about the small dosage stuff, like micro that's supposed to, yeah, the micro dose that's supposed to kind of just open you up to certain things, the information that you sent to me earlier, not to change where this conversation is going, but that stuff. So I think that, that that's what I worry about is that I feel like uh, fear. I worry that I would be the person where my fear of the trip would make it bad. And I don't want to end up like slitting my wrist or some dumb no, shit no, no, like no. that. Well, I mean, I, I really think that the type of, well, I can't, I don't know what you are like under certain substances, but especially if you're doing a smaller dose, which I would consider two grams a small dose, mm-hmm. I can almost assure you that you will enjoy that and you will not be suicidal, especially if you go in prepared as I suggest. Which is interesting. Two grams of weed would make my heart explode. <laughs> it wouldn't, but <laughs> you would fall asleep probably. But uh just because I would have a panic attack. You know oh I mean? yeah. My yeah. heart would probably be beating out of my chest if yeah. I smoked two grams. No, well here's the thing it, it takes it takes a good bit to to get you to a certain level. So uh, yeah, I mean I guess that's me just pointing out that Obviously, the dosage is what's considered a micro dose or a small dose comparatively is uh, is different from the weed from the from the drugs that we know and understand. I guess a micro dose is a third of what I just suggested to you. It's okay, not okay. You okay, wouldn't even. Okay. It's it's almost like taking an aspirin. Mm. Um, you wouldn't even trip. You might feel some slight effects, some body highs, things like that. May maybe. Uh, but the objective is the regimen in which you you micro dose. So if you do it three times a week. Lay off for a couple days, take it three days in a row again. That's when you start to really um, use microdosing to your advantage and you start to feel those afterglow effects and you might relieve anxiety and things of that nature. So, what do you suggest? Well, microdose to start or try to have a trip and microdose afterwards? Well, here's the thing it's all in what you enjoy. Um, I enjoy the trip. The microdosing for me. Is like it's, it's that's that's what I would pitch if I'm talking to Congress. You know what I'm saying? Microdosing has these type of you know, uh, you know, if using it in this using psilocybin mushrooms in this fashion can offer these kinds of results. And but, I assume that you say what you say because you're saying, and I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to because for me, I am the person that knows nothing about this. Hmm. So I represent the people who may be listening who also don't know that. So I feel like I want to ask some of those questions. When you say microdosing is what you would say if you're speaking to Congress, is that the medicinal side of it? I would say so. And and look, you're going to experience the medicinal side if you have a major trip too. Mm -hmm. Um, That's also part of a bad trip. Now, as much as people fear having bad trips, there's a saying, bad trips are good trips. Another question, if I can ask an additional question to that person that had a bad trip, what are they running away from? Hmm. And, and that, that goes back to how old they are. I find that the people, the, the stories I've heard about people with bad trips have been younger people who were not yet ready to deal with whatever issues uh, that may come to the forefront of their consciousness under the influence of a psychedelic. Um, which What I have found, especially on my larger 
doses. And hi, that's another question. How much did they take? Some people should not be taking five grams. I can take five grams because I've been doing it for a bit. But I would never say on our first trip, hey, take these five grams. I wouldn't say that to you. I would, I would allow for you to dip your toe in the pool. And that's what one and a half, two grams are. You're going you're gonna to feel a little bit of the effects. Um, you're going to be laughing and giggling. And um, you're going to be able to appreciate the substance. You're going to be connected to the substance that way. And that's, that's what you'll feel is a connectedness to the actual substance. It'll be speaking to you in that sense in an ever so gent- gentle way. Now, once you get up to three and a half grams, five grams, seven grams, and we're talking about a different response to your mind. Um, so if you're talking about one and a half, two grams, you need not fear at all. Um, How long does it last? About four hours. <laughs> but look, hey, let me ask you this question. If you smoke weed, wouldn't you want your weed high to last four hours? <laughs> but here, look, look, look. Let, let, me, let me finish everything. Here's the thing. Another thing about psilocybin mushrooms and psychedelic, it's very difficult to abuse these substances. Mm. So once you have, like if I took a five grand trip four or five months ago, I haven't tripped since, nor have I had a true desire to do so. I've been enjoying the afterglow is what you're really going for. That's what comes about as well with the microdosing. Is the afterglow. Yeah, and, and it's, it, it, look, you may drink a bunch of liquor one night, the next morning you're gonna be sick. You can do psilocybin mushrooms, have a bad trip and all. The next day, the next week, months after, you're going to have this period of reflection, and reflecting. Um, and those things that you thought about in your bad trip are going to give you an opportunity to put pieces together in your life because now you've been forced to deal with those issues. And that, look, and that's, that's kind of, again, I know that's, that's creating an element of fear, but again, going back to the question I asked, what is somebody running away from? Yeah, I'm not scared of what I could possibly see. I think that I'm scared of my own mind. So I don't want to take us too far off a topic, but I want to talk about a show that I like. I liked Hannibal mm-hmm. when it show. came on, uh, I believe it was ABC that was carrying that. Am I right? I, I remember it being on, uh, it was on one of those uh, streaming services at first. No, it's on the streaming services now. Oh, it okay. used to be on network television. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know it was on network. I do have season one on the. I, I just have his DVDs. I don't, I don't. Oh, really? Yeah, I have the season one. So, um, to make sure we're talking about the same thing with Lauren Fishburne. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. In for in the first season, when they're talking about Will Graham, that's the other. Who that's is the, the guy who works for the FBI who. He's, a, he's a, he understands psycho, so, uh, serial yeah, killers. Okay, where yeah. he's like really. So the one of the biggest reasons I like that show is because I connect to the character yeah. of Will Grant. Say, as do I. So, <laughs> so when they one thing that they said about Will Graham is, Will is scared of nothing yeah. except for his own imagination. Yeah. I honestly don't fear anything yeah. but my own imagination. Yeah. I can I can imagine things. Yeah. I don't know. I just have that kind of mind. So, so do I. So I think yeah. I worry about what psychedelics would make me start, what that shit would pull out of me yeah. because I feel like even weed, a, a, a non-psychedelic substance can sometimes make me see things or think things that can create fear in me. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it, look, nothing is out of the realm of possibilities and I'm not saying that that's not a possibility. Certainly, if you want to, look, if you want to extract 
the negative effects of it out of anything you can. Mm-hmm. But that that is that that mindset is why we have these laws in place as they're reflected. If you go on DEA.gov, mm-hmm. the tone of how the rules are in place suggests that there's nothing but problems that come out of these substances. Mm-hmm. The problems are of a low percentage of the entire experience, if you even deal with them at all. Now, let me give you an example of some some situations. I, I, I too, uh, I, I've always, I, this is a guilty pleasure of mine, but if anybody knows me, I've always had an interest in uh, psychology and um, behavioral sciences. I don't know so, if you should feel guilty about that. No, I, well, no, no, well, let me explain why I feel guilty. As a young person, I've always been interested in serial killers mm-hmm. and studying oh, okay. their behavior. I see, I see, I see. So it, it come, that statement in itself comes off a little funny to people. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 sheerly the behavior. I, I, I can I did, I'm always been curious, and so I thought that that Hannibal um, that that character in, in Hannibal was that was like me almost. I almost could understand what a serial killer in, 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 you know to. To investigate them. Also, check out Mind Hunters on Netflix too. Yeah, of course I've yeah. seen that. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think all things kind of serial killer do interest me because they're a certain kind of psychopath. Once that you know became kind of like a, a a thing that people wanted to really study. If I'm not mistaken, it is the serial killer that kind of made that study as popular. I'm not going to say it created it. Well, I think, well, if you remember on Manhunter, it was the term serial killer that was coined by the FBI. Right, right, right. That wasn't even yeah, around. Yeah, so, so, but, so, but the sociopathy. Study of them. Yeah, I mean, well, social, now, it was, it's been around because sociopathy, that, they're just extreme cases of sociopathy. That's what I mean, is that, like, not that they created that study. They just highlight, studies, they just highlight they, sociopathy. Yeah, because they are, like, some of the best subjects of studying it yeah. that you can find. Yeah, they're glaring. Obvious. I mean, to take somebody's life with no type of remorse, mm-hmm. <laughs> it don't get no worse than that. I mean, yeah. but you know, but look, here's the thing: when we worry about these things, that's no different from saying that girl's not going to like me because of X, Y, Z. Instead of saying, you know, this girl is going to like me because I have these qualities. Mm-hmm. There are so many more positive qualities to these substances than just the negative ones that may not, you may not experience. I would, I would bet that you would have more of the positive experiences. There's a better opportunity, regardless of what you typically think about, or, uh, uh, it, it can be triggered by things that you watch on TV if you're Mm -hmm. under the influence. Mm -hmm. But that, again, this is all the questions that you got to ask yourself. What's my set and setting like? What's my mindset like? What's my environment like? Who am I around? You're likely going to be triggered by the things that are around you. And that's your attention is going to be drawn to those things again. Like in my in my experience, I'll test myself. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to test whether I'm starting to trip by looking at the carpet. It'll start moving and stuff like that. That will that fascination will draw me in. I'm like, wow, I can't believe my brain is actually doing this. And wow, look, the lights, things look so bright and vivid. You start to appreciate. So those kind of things, for me at least, start to hit me first. You know, the appreciation of things. Then that might lead into like you know I love being alive like you start to it can be positive yeah I could see that happening yeah. I think that for myself that's why I think I, I really when you started talking about microdosing I don't know if you see it this way because maybe I didn't say it but <laughs> it was when you talked about microdosing whether you may have noticed it or not that's when I was like okay I would try it mm-hmm. because I felt like if I can start small 
and get some of those small little affirmations mm-hmm. that I think can be, whether they're negative or positive, because I'm not scared of a drug showing me what's bad about me. Um, I was watching the Midnight Gospel, which is a podcast, and they were talking about some of this kind of stuff, right? And he was talking about kind of, because I have bad trips on weed. Yeah, I've had them. Yeah. And I stopped kind of having bad trips on weed after I listened to that show when he was kind of saying that, like, what I like about smoking weed sometimes is that it can make me think about my shortcomings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. The things that I should do, shouldn't do. Right. Whereas when I'm not in that state of mind, I may ignore those things. And that is one of the things that every time I've had a bad weed trip, it's been because I'm thinking about those things and I'm I'm not putting to to action those things that I'm thinking about. Yeah. So it's like the next time I smoke, it's like you still ain't do what you well, was thinking about Well, you built up a level time. of anxiety. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, and, and, and the reality is um, microdosing does allow for you to remove that anxiety over time. You know, so yeah, I understand. I, I, I get you. I understand. I'm not saying the fear is irrational. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying totally submerging yourself. Fear most oftentimes yeah. is irrational. Yeah. But submerging yourself in the fear to the point where you just totally reject the the the, the you know the the idea of trying it. There's so much less to fear in the reality of because things. Because essentially there is facing fear and there's immersing yourself in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes people think that they're facing a fear, but no, you're not facing a fear. You are really indulging in it. Yeah. Like you are making it you like know, it. bigger than you what actually it is. like it. Right, right, right. You know it, what is, it is becoming your reason your reason yeah. for not doing things that you should do right. and things of that nature. And I've actually had a conversation with somebody recently about that, that like as soon as you start telling yourself, giving yourself reasons to not do things, that should you have to train your mind mm-hmm. to make that a trigger for why you should do what it yeah. is that you're thinking about. Because what's happening is, is that your brain in an effort, because let's go ahead and get into this. I think if, if, if I, if as long as you don't think that it's taking us off subject, the brain is the ego and it wants to protect itself. The brain is what will tell you not to do certain things because it is scared of death more than like your spirit is. You know what I mean? Because I feel like the spirit will move you to try things and do things because the spirit, I think, wants to have experiences. You know what I'm saying? I think the spirit is like, I want to go to China and I want to see things. My brain will say, we don't like planes, though. You can die on a plane. Well, I I do have a belief in that and that directly relates to psychedelics because there have you ever heard a term called ego death? Ego death can come up, come about using high doses of psychedelic mm-hmm. substances. But I do feel the ego is separate from the brain. I feel the brain does have an incredible amount of power and there's different segments of the brain that that we use uh, and parts of the brain that we like our subconscious brain that we don't know that we actually use. Mm-hmm. That's the one that trains us. That's the one that um, is on autopilot. Like it controls our breathing and things of that nature. Our ego, um, and that's another thing. It, it, all these things, these are points that I actually want to touch on 
um, but maybe in a, a different way, uh, not so so directly with this. But I feel the ego is something that we continue to build on, and we feel that it's us. Um, we feel that our ego represents who we are. But see, that's why the brain and the ego are one. Maybe it's a sector of the brain more so, not the whole brain, because I think it is also true that when I hear you speaking about psychedelics, it sounds like it's the kind of thing that can unlock the portions of the brain that will maybe disconnect you from the ego, which mm -hmm. I feel like takes over the brain. When mm -hmm. when they say we, we use 10% of our brain or whatever that saying is that uh, has always been so uh, commonly used, I think that that portion that we use is almost 100% of that 10%, in my opinion, is ego. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and the reason know. I say it's contained there mm -hmm. is because our memories, our experiences, things of that nature, the things that are stored in our brain, is what helps to create the ego. It is the self. You yeah. know what I mean? Or a sense of self. What or we, that sense what we of perceive self. as self. Right, and that comes from memories and information that your brain stores. Absolutely, I, I definitely agree with that. I, like, I, I can't say they're not all in one. I mean, granted, as just as a from a biological concept, you know, our brain is the central part of our uh, our existence mm -hmm. individually. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it it's a computer that takes in all these responses to things. It takes in all this information, this data, mm -hmm. uh, this environmental pressure, and then and it computes it. And then it spits it out into what we call our self or what we think our self is. You're right. Um, so we, but if you're in that community, uh, say law of attraction, the spiritual community, law of attraction stuff, psychedelics, the psychonauts, they're always going to speak to finding your truer self, centering yourself. Mm -hmm. All that requires you to use your emotions, which that's part of your brain as well, your heart and your brain, to remove yourself from the ego. The thoughts are not things. Those thoughts, they pile up in the ego, make you behave a certain way, feel a certain way. They, they come, uh, that's why I feel it's a little bit separate because they come back and they try, they, they cast, a, they cast a shadow on your emotions, on your thoughts. And they, they, you know, if you're not in good spirits, if your ego is out of control, um, then it can affect you and your relationships with people. Um, and how psychedelics come into play here and Terrence McKenna, who has been an enthusiast, no longer with us, um, but he... What did he die from? Uh, I, actually, I, I really don't know, uh, to be honest. I, I'm still, like I said, I'm not an expert. I'm still in my infancy in research, um, and I'm still learning. So he has tons of books out. Um, that um, he, I asked that question because so oftenly people who are pioneers in something die from the very thing that they are pioneers in. No, no, no. He didn't die as a so result. So I just wanted to make sure he didn't like take a bunch of mushrooms and nah, nah, off nah, of nah, nah. He's done shit. way more than mushrooms. He's, just, he's a psychonaut of psychonauts. Um, he and but he is ironically he and Timothy Leary did die at the peak of their push mm -hmm. for psychedelic research, um, but I, I don't believe that they're desperate. Are you hinting conspiracy? Uh, you know I, I'm trying to stay away from conspiracy theories, but I just find it ironic that, like you said, pioneers tend to fade out, fade on us um, when they're they're onto something. That is the true reality of how things work if yeah. you look at it enough. Yeah, that absolutely. Um, True change agents are typically they, they live they don't live the, miraculously yeah. or or just yeah. flat out you know um, assassinated yeah. at their peaks or on the cusp of uh, of of the changes that they seek. 
typically. Yeah, no, it, that's it, how it, it works. No, me. absolutely, and um, which shows you just the 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 way that the devil works. Terrence McKenna talks about how there was there have been two types of societies that we've had since humans have been on Earth, and one has been the dominator, um, which we are part of that type of uh, society now. And I believe the other, I can find it here. Forgive me. Um, well, I have to go all the way to the top. Forgive me. Uh, but whatever the case is, essentially the prior environments that we used to have used to, it's, it's weird. It, it was, I think it was partnership societies, partnership societies and dominated societies. And you've probably heard these concepts in a different way. You, you've heard them. I'm, I'm going to tell you how you know these concepts. If you've spoken about anything about white people and their, the origin of their belief system mm-hmm. is this, it, they are the ones that spawned this dominator society. Prior to that, when you look at ancient Egypt, who uh, glorified goddesses and queens, um, that was part of the partnership society. And once women were marginalized in society and we started to have this man-dominated society, um, it started to make very stringent rules to where we were only supposed to see things one way. Mm -hmm. Um, And we put people in order a, a specific way and we don't look at them as uh, useful characters in that society. It's about building a civilization a certain way, a certain structure. So that has actually been in, that's why I say this 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 whole uh, partnership society was in place um, prior to ancient Greece. And, Man. and so once these dominated societies started to take over and infiltrate the entire uh, world scene, Suddenly, we always have these rules that come. If somebody disagrees with something, doesn't believe something, um, they they try to remove it from uh, being ex- presented or exposed. And you know, so, what happens is, I'm sorry, just, you, you, no, I know I'm, 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 I'm going to let you finish, but you just making my mind. You you are giving me one of those moments. Okay, I feel like I might as well be on a psychedelic oh, yeah. right now because you're giving me one of those moments. Continue. So this is so that we can we can fast forward all the way to 1970 from ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. And we see the same dynamic in play. Um, we look at hippies a certain way, uh, as if they're just drug addicts or talking nonsense. Oh, peace, bro. Of course, they're the rebels from uh, the, the the prior, uh, what is that, the, uh, what was that, 1950s? I forget what you call their particular generation after the war. You know, they're the get-a-job type, yeah. stringent. Um, the baby boomers? Baby boomers. You know, they have their... Uh, their their push was so oppressive on people from the 60s that the 60s uh, was more of a rebellious time. So part of that... Re- We're in the current version of the 60s, but with way less shit to actually be worried about. Well, I mean, there's a lot to worry about, but uh, I feel as a society, we've kind of lost a sense of community and all that spawns from this dominated society push. Because we are in a dominated society, we feel the need to fight to get out. You understand? We need to fight and push and, and show how great we are and exalt ourselves. We had to work so hard to get to that. Whereas if we had a sense of community, we would be confident in ourselves already. We wouldn't be fighting for anything. But because there's always going to be this divide of class and separation and government versus people, um, 
when psychedelics have a tendency to remove that idea that the ego should be impactful. That may be the best part of uh, what the psychedelics could do. No, that's in that. So you think the government doesn't know that? The government knows that good and well. And how do we know that? Albert, Albert Hoffman is the guy that give, gave us LSD by accident. So, he, and this was a Swiss scientist who uh, was able to first test the... Uh, I don't want to do LSD, though. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get my hands on it today, if I can. <laughs> you know, I think I, I don't think it's that... I, I'll let you know how it is <laughs> before before we go out and jump out this. I, let, me, let me be the cupbearer. Yeah, you for know sure. What I'm saying? And, because and, listen... With the mushrooms, somebody grows that shit, whatever, whatever. LSD is a fungus. It's no, it's, it's the same thing. It comes, it's extract from the fungus, and that's that's where that's where Hoffman got it from. If it's, you say so, it is it's it's a natural it's a natural product. But you can also get yourself fucked up with that stuff. It's the same way in 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 this new pill society. It's not the same thing as that. It, I, I understand, but there's I, I get that. You know more than me, so I'm really not gonna argue with you on that. Right. I'm just gonna say that you have fentanyl. Yeah, those are chemical lab drugs. You, this, this is not so a... You can make I'm, this in your house. What I'm saying is, is that you don't know where you getting that shit from. True. But they, but they have remedies for that as well. They they also sell drug tests. So that's also encouraging the psychonaut community because you don't know what's going on in this world nowadays. People are trying to... I had a dude hit me up on Instagram trying to sell me some psychedelics. I don't know, I don't know him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I said, okay, well, I mean, given the price, price range, it, it made me think that he might have been somewhat legitimate. Because it wasn't dirt cheap. You know what I'm saying? Um, but at the same time, they have test kits for LSD. Because they know, yeah, people people are mixing shit and doing all kinds of stuff to to try to get your money. And, you know, it's like it's no different from cutting coke. That kind of dynamic. People trying to stretch their money. Mm-hmm. Um, and stretch their investment. So, yeah, they have test kits to, to make, before you ingest these substances, you test them. Yeah, so yeah, people we, we know what's going on. Yeah, there's a scare. If you say there's not there's no reason to be scared, yeah, people are trying to get over on everybody. That's the thing. We we gotta be scared of our fellow man. You know what I'm saying? But here, look at this. On, and that's on top of being scared of the government and all these other forces that aren't working with us. And so the hippies knew this, or anybody that was in that environment that was speaking out against the war in Vietnam, uh, or re- they were establishing a level of consciousness. There was like, hold on, we gotta the, the dominant the heads of the dominator society, like we gotta shut these dudes up. So that is where we come to this perception that these substances are so harmful. It's not that they are, they're not, it's not that they're gonna drive you crazy. They're gonna, they have the potential, as Terrence McKenna brought up, they have the they have the potential to show you that everything you learned to this point in your life is wrong. And that's a scary reality for a lot of people. Because we don't like to be wrong. Here's my problem. Because I, I, I like this conversation of the dominated society. Yet again, I feel like this is this is yet another thing that we've talked about while talking about another subject that I feel like I want us to expand upon on, on, on some later s- subject. So with that being said, right? I think part of the problem in the society that we live in is that the true concept of freedom would mean that because because we live in a in an actual free society or at least as free as there is 
I think because of that, there is LSD, there is psychedelics, there is all these other things. We live in a society free enough that despite the fact that the system that has made America what it is, it has almost accepted the rise of ideas against itself in a lot of different forms in reality. Maybe not through psychedelic drugs and things of that nature, but Bernie Sanders has been in Congress for a long time as an open democratic socialist. There was a time in this country where you couldn't have done that. Now you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now you have other people who Elon Omar, the squad, like all these like far left socialist people who are actually in our Congress and in our, you know, and in our, in a part of our system, people who, if they, if they came to power and if they had the, the agreements of Congress, let's say, they would change the system to its core. Anybody who knows anything about the green new, the new, the new green new deal, whatever the fuck they want to call it, green new deal. It would change everything about America because some of the things that it asks for means that we would not be able to be the same country. That's the thing that's most interesting to me about this, the state that we live in is that it's one that true freedom means that the system can always be changed, that it can be affected. And I think that we live in a state where there is a fight against it actually truly being changed. But there's an acceptance of the idea that you could change it. And I think that because of that, psychedelics in, in this conversation become important because I think the awareness of what makes the system oppressive is the one thing that the system is really the most fearful of. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That like as long as the conversation stays around things that don't truly affect it, because the thing about it is, if Bernie Sanders was ever president or AOC was ever president, they could change the system, but not in a way that makes the system less powerful. It would actually make the system more powerful, which is why it's an accepted idea. Socialism would make our government more powerful. So our government doesn't exactly fight it because it's like, okay, it would just be more powerful. We would have the ability to tell you how high you can build a building. Um, Things of that nature, just most jobs would be government jobs. If you look at the Green New Deal, it would it would really change the private sector into a place where most jobs would be government jobs because socialism is a takeover of the private sector by the government. I know that this, what I'm saying sounds very political, but what I mean to say by all of this is that coming to the realization that you live in a system that dominates you is more dangerous than trying to change the system and make it a different form of dominant, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that's really, that's extremely interesting to me because it brings to the forefront that psychedelics can help people based on what you're saying. If I, if I fully accept what you're saying, it can help people see the strings in a way where I think that it sounds like you're saying that you can see your role, you can see your place in things, you can see what you are and how you are. And I think that a change of the system to when it is what you were saying, partnership, 
would be a true change of our system and the way that we think because women wouldn't need feminism to feel powerful mm -hmm. because it is true that the duality and just, just to have, uh, because by definition, by, by definition, a, a pagan believes in multiple gods. Mm -hmm. So the belief that there is a female God and a male God, for someone who wishes to worship the female or the feminine gods or powers of the universe, that gives you inherently your pride and your femininity. Mm. When you remove that and you put at the head of it a male god and the concept of male dominance, it puts females in a place of being like, well, where do I get my sense of individual individuality, power, yeah. strength, and 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 godliness get out the kitchen so that's exactly what, that's what exactly so honestly and so like seriously like some may understand what i'm saying some may not but in general that's what i'm saying that like that is the most interesting thing to me is that i would love to live in a world where we do not need the concepts that divide us but that we have a true understanding of individuality to the point that I feel like we can all live together. That the person that wants to be dominant in the capitalist system dominate those who wish to live in that system. And for those of us who don't want to live in that system, I think that we should be able to live in a world that does not make us conform to the people who wish to conform. If I could address that, the person that wants to be dominant in a partnership in society would likely understand the responsibility he has to provide for members of that society because he has skills, abilities that are different from everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's because the partnership society understands that everybody is a part of the community and everybody in that community understands their role. So if a person does have a leadership role in that community, then he knows what his position is over people. He's not overbearing. He's not trying to dominate. Mm -hmm. He's impactful and respected. And, and 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 people look to him as a person that would you could come to with needs to change in the society for the betterment of everyone. Mm -hmm. So it'd be a different approach to what we're familiar with in terms of dominance. And and so the dominant we're talking about dominance and partnership. In that partnership society that we crave, there is no dominance. You know what I'm saying? It's everyone is useful. Everyone now, people that built it. See, I, so I get off the train a little bit there, though. And I want to let you finish what you say, but I'm a, I, but I want to explain why I get off the train a little bit there because I think that. So, what? My thing about that is that look, I don't think that we can get away from the true nature of humanity, though. That. It's not like there wasn't dominance. Let's use Egypt as an example because I want to use that because Somebody I know more Somebody built pyramids, right? Right. There was a caste system. There was that your pharaoh yeah. had that perception that he was the he had a relationship with God. Yeah. And therefore, he was dominant over your society. No doubt, no you doubt. You know what I mean? And his queen was not dominant. You know what I mean? Right. Now, women could be pharaohs, yeah. which is... 
which means that there has been women in power in society for ages. You know what I mean? Like we talked today about female presidents. Well, women have been, you know, in other places, women are, you know, you got Angela Merkel, who is the president of the residing power in, in, in Germany. It's not like women don't rise to power and that we haven't seen that throughout American, uh, throughout human history. Absolutely. So with, with, with that being said, can it happen? Yes. But whether it was man or woman, it was, it was dominance. There were still poor people. There were still mm. people who didn't offer much because there will always be those people. Yeah. There will always be people more talented, more powerful, more rich. Yeah. There will always be people who, honestly, they just don't have what it takes, to right. be honest. No, indeed. I, and like, I mean, but I, I, I just feel like when we, when we look at, when we compare a big group to a small group, then I think, you know, we can kind of be general in statements, you know? Um, and, and that's all I, I mean, my, my whole, everything I'm even saying to this point has been a generalization of what it is because we're talking about skipping over centuries and, and, and millenniums uh, to get to this point we are here talking about entheogens um, and how they strip away and take us back to that 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 starting point that existed more rampantly in, uh, in a, uh, a, partic- a participant society, mm-hmm. a partnership society. And uh, that's what modern government fears. fears. And it, it, it wasn't any more true than it was in, in 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, and that war on drug campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, the war on drug campaign has failed. And that's what we see. That's what makes this whole discussion about um, uh, the, the criminalization of these substances so so pivotal in our, in our future. Because, you know... Uh, it was more or less about putting people in jail and um, as opposed to treatment or even understanding the substances. How do you make something federally ill? And that's what, that's what, look, I'm going to tell you how, and again, just going back to how the government understands what they're doing. After, I'll say less than a decade after uh, Mr. Hoffman had discovered LSD, the CIA purchased the world supply of LSD for two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, as part of the MK Ultra um, experiment, mm-hmm. and so they knew, they they understood the value of these substances. They they understood, they they knew good and well, uh, the capabilities of these substances. So much so, their efforts were in this this uh in this particular experiments were to study mind control, and they realized that it is not a mind control substance that's not what that's not what psychedelics are they're not for mind control they're for mind expansion mm-hmm. actually i've read i've saw one meme that showed that psilocybin mushrooms are for building your roots and lsd is for expanding your mind you know what i'm saying so imagine you have people that are seeking that level of consciousness in your society what can the government really tell them you know what i'm saying though we're that that we all have a yearning innately to seek that partnership style of society. That's who we are in our truer selves. But our ego, which has been built up through all the societal pressure of the dominant society, has forced us to reject anything of the latter. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why we have these, these brush-ups. In every, in every, 
uh, I, I think I sent you a, a book a while ago about that kind of discussed uh, the ego. You know, it's funny. I just opened. I can't even remember the title. Um, and I'm I'm about 100, 110 pages in that book. Um, but even in, within, I think within the first 90 pages, um, they discuss the ego in that sense. Uh, it's called A New Earth, Awakening Your Life's Purpose by Eckhart Tolle. And um, so it discusses all the, 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 it discusses the ego and what it is and, and how it makes us feel and think. And essentially all the things he's talking, it sounds like he had an LSD trip, a very good one. It sounded like he had ego death. He probably has. I've, I've read Eckhart Tolle before, and he probably has done that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, uh, he, oh, um, so we we've gotten to a point where um, we just don't. You know, I, I think this fight for me, and I'm sorry to, to get away from this. I I kind of wanted to reel it back into the the, the topic at hand because. Um, you know, we we can always go on all day about how you know the the you know how there were dominant people back in the day. Of course, there, you had people that were more skilled, stronger, yeah, faster. I, agree. I don't I don't want to I don't want to spend too much time on that. But my uh, general idea on it though is that if you're if I am even more intrigued by the idea of psychedelics, if they can be a catalyst to people finding. A belief in partnership once again. You know what I mean? Like, if that is something that you're telling me could be a re- residual effect and, and something that the government made an, an actual uh, attempt to, 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 to quell that effect, yeah, then that's extremely interesting to me. And yeah. I think that, you know, I just have a way of being long-winded about it, but because I do feel that that is something that could change our society, that a move to a different form of a system is not what's going to change the system that I think the average person feels like, okay, this isn't working. Right. And, and that, that's been my whole, when we talked with Cortez about the po- political stuff, that's mm-hmm. kind of been my whole position is here we are putting the change in the hands of somebody else, expecting something incredibly different mm-hmm. when it's, it's us. Mm-hmm. It's us that's always had the power. We've just been told we don't. So what does that do? That, that pigeonhole. But that's the most interesting. But that's what that's the other point of that's the other end of it is that we live in a society in a system that does say that we have the power, yeah. but we don't actually have it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a game, man. So yeah. the the it I, I think I think that if you believe in this system and you believe that you do have the power, that's a person. That means that the vote is important because if you believe that that is part of what makes you powerful. True indeed. I think that I think that for whatever I think that just on cert on the surface, other people have to believe that with you, and that's how you cre- that's where voting blocks are created. That's why there are all these different ways to try to swing the system mm. by using a block of people, a group of people to vote a certain way, mm. and I think that unfortunately that sends us into more chaos mm. rather than us finding solutions. With that being said, though, I want I want you to continue on where uh, uh, some of your points about this because this is a fun and interesting topic. Yeah, uh, well, look, in the state of Maryland, uh, we're in Maryland here. Um, some of the penalties have been stringent. So let me just read off 
a, a bit about the laws against entheogens. So it's listed as a Schedule One substance under the Controlled Substances Act from 1970. Mm-hmm. This means that substances have a high potential for abuse. They currently have no accepted medical use in treatment. Um, and they lack the uh, accepted safety use under med- medicinal uni- uh, medical supervision. So in the state of Maryland, uh, marijuana is, is, is listed separate, even though it's a Schedule One drug, is listed separately from other Schedule One drugs. So it's punishable um, on, on a lesser scale, 10 grams or less will get you, you don't get any jail time, it's handled civilly. Um, it's, not, it's not even on your criminal record, you know? Um, so possession of any controlled substances in the state of Maryland will be a misdemeanor, but you can get up to four years in prison uh, for for a certain amount, uh, up to, uh, I guess it depends on how much you have and what your intent are is, but four years in prison, $25,000 fine. Uh, intent charges will- $25,000. Yeah, that's just crazy, man. And intent to distribute will give you 20 years. You know, so these are automatic- um, penalties that are very stiff um, when, you know, I, I mean, I just can't help but believe that there is more good to come out of these than bad. Now, if you go on DEA.gov, the position that they take suggests that um, psychedelics have been a problem in high schools. And so I can get, I understand that if it's something, I don't feel that this is a substance for immature young people. Again, uh, if we, we go back to the set and setting this part of the discussion, if you tell me some, ask me, tell me something about a bad trip or if somebody told you they had a bad trip, my question is going to be, how old were you? How old was this person? How much did they take? What was the set and setting like? And I say that because I don't feel that young people are quite old enough to understand their environment 100%, understand why they're experiencing what they're experiencing in life. Um, and they, you learn those things along the way. Once you get to a point in your life where you can reflect and start to make radical change to your life, um, that's when these substances are good agents for you to, to make some different decisions in your life. And um, that's when... If you make the necessary preparation, you're going to lessen your chances for bad trips. But what is, like I said, again, DEA.gov suggests that um, this is probably a problem with young people. And so they're trying to get ahead of the problem. So they put these stiff penalties on there. It's like a manager that has stiff rules. If you put a stiff rule in place, you ain't got to really manage like that. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to come back to and look at it. The only problem with this is when you, have, when you put these federal um penalties on these substances, you also end federal research. So then you can make a statement of no currently accepted medical use in treatment. Accepted. Not existing, accepted. You know what I'm saying? And so that's that, That's what this whole campaign, these, these initiatives are about, is showing, hey, um, if you really do some research on these substances, it's not scary as if you made it out to be. And and that's what I'm here to say today is my experiences, the scary experiences that I've had with these substances, I was prepared for. And because our mind works in this sense, when you are able to dismiss a thought, you no longer worry about it. It doesn't stress you out anymore. Once you dismiss any of these scary thoughts that may pop up in a, uh, a t- particular trip, guess what? you go about the trip without even remembering that they came about. 
So I want to play devil's advocate to what you just now said. And though I understand, believe in, and maybe even agree with what you're saying, my nature as devil's advocate is part of what I think makes this podcast important because I don't think that any idea should go unchallenged. So I, I want to say, what do you say to the person that views drugs in general as negative, something that we don't need that, any spiritual awakening, any kind of whatever it is that you need to be great is within you and you do not need any substance, whether it's controlled substance, psychedelic, THC, whatever it is, that that's not what you need. And that by introducing, especially that the government's intent to not have kids introduced to it is about the government's intent to protect our youth, which is, and it's not a cliche. It truly is the truth. If you if you really mm-hmm. just think about it in, in even the most general sense, mm-hmm. the children are our future, right? Right. Some child that was born today could end up being our president. So how that child is treated, nourished, what drugs they do or don't do is going to affect their ability to be the leader that they may be born to be, or, or will it? Or, or you know, or will it? Yeah. So. I just want to say to you, what do you say to that person? Yeah, and I say you're 100% right that you don't need these substances to get to your truer self. Mm-hmm. These are hacks to get to your truer self. Just like aspirin, you could, hey, if you have a headache, you can you can live through it and it'll go away on its own, but you want it done right <laughs> now. What the, you, bruh, I just got to give you credit. I just got I just got <laughs> clapped for you. you know so like one of the most perfect comebacks yeah. I think I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, but I mean it's it's the, it's the reality <laughs> of it. Again, wow. the the push for this was to have these considered as medicinal plant based uh, options for people to better themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not to hey let me get trashed. If you go into a psychedelic, I'm offended when like I you know I'm I'm be honest with you. I grew some mushrooms. My friend is talking about I'm about to get trash. He 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 And if you're in that community, you know better than disrespect psilocybin mushrooms. Okay. You're, you know what I'm saying? So I, I go into it with that's why you go through all these protective measures and you prepare uh to because it's a roller coaster ride that you want to enjoy. You don't go on a roller coaster. If you go on a roller coaster ride with a bunch of fear, you're not going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I go into it with knowing that I'm going to be shown something that's going to help me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be shown something that's going to build my character. And so I'm not going into it to treat it like liquor. That's the problem. We have legal substances that are party substances. Mm-hmm. Um, so young people don't drink. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're supposed to be protecting them from going which way, whichever way. Mm-hmm. But young people try to get alcohol. I was I was doing the same thing. I was asking people in uh, my friend's apartment building, who they had a liquor store in the basement, Standing outside asking when I was younger, 18 years old, asking people to buy me a beer. I was doing that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I had no concern for my future. The laws are in place to protect me, right? Yeah. But um, at the same time, I still had a drive to do it. Mm-hmm. So I get that. I get the laws are in place. I also would tell a person that says, hey, uh, you don't need these substances to have these awakenings. And you're 100% right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not encouraging people to take these substances if they don't need them mm-hmm. um, for the most part. 
But I will encourage, I, I will say that I feel everybody should try it because it will aid you in discovering your truer self, especially if you've been uh, so harshly conditioned to work through your ego as opposed to your true self. You know what I'm saying? And again, that ego is polished by the things that are promoted by the media, the government, and corporate America. And so um, you have agents that allow for you to see a little bit more directly and clearly about your, your individual life, not the life that you're told to have and told to be a part of. So these are not necessary, but they are hacks to get you to where you may want to go, which means that before you engage in these substances, you got to prepare yourself. You got to know what you're doing. You got to know what you're getting yourself into, and you have to know what you want with yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying if you're going to use these substances, just like you would anything, the promotion has to be with uh, uh, responsible use, mm-hmm. as it should be with anything else. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would tell that person that has a, a you know, is concerned about um, protecting the children. We're always going to protect the children, but I've seen many children. I was one of them getting drunk, smoking cigarettes, doing all the things I shouldn't be doing that were the laws were in place to protect me. But somehow I got my hands on the stuff and I was still doing it and I was doing harm to myself um, because I had no business doing. It. I didn't know enough about what my future would hold. Um, so those those risks still exist without these substances. I don't want to overtalk based on the fact that I feel like what you just now said is the perfect way to end this discussion. So really, I just want to applaud you for your response. I love that you said that it's a hack or it's an aid. You know what I mean? Because you just completely flamed my my devil's advocate question. I think you handled it so well. And I will say that personally, the reason that I believe in what you just now said is because I believe in a, that level of freedom to be able to make these kind of decisions, but to do them responsibly. And I think that the more that you know, the better chance that you can do something responsibly. So it's like when I said to you that I think that based on what I know about myself, most people don't know themselves based on what I know about myself. When I hear you talk about psychedelics, I am eager to feel those effects, but I want to do it in a way that I think fits me the best. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get fucked up. I don't want to get trashed on psychedelics. That's not, you should never I want, want to, to get the benefit of it. Absolutely. So I want to do it responsibly. Yeah. And the right to do something responsibly that you think can aid you to get somewhere versus just getting fucked up on drugs. I think that in some ways, the dominant society we live in almost contributes to the person that just gets fucked up on alcohol, fucked up on drugs, especially when you restrict the access to something that people clearly want. Mm -hmm. I think that it forces people into backwards or or, or back alleys, all these fucked up ways to to access it. I'm going to tell you exactly what that is. The pressure that the society puts you on there puts you in a position to want to escape. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we're not being our truer selves when we're told who we need to be. And then the be. things that you look at as escapes are illegal. Yeah. So then it creates a desire to get it by any means yeah. because you can't get it by a responsible means. And then again, then you get addicted to that process. Right. Or the substance. I, I, I see it every day. I told you about my buddy. Um, in his mind, in, in knowing him, he has so many concerns about how he's perceived by others. Mm-hmm. So what does he do to neutralize that? 
He gets drunk so he doesn't have to think about that. Mm-hmm. So because now that has become habitual in him, so he gets drunk often. Mm-hmm. And all to escape the pressure that he feels from society, mm-hmm. a dominant society. You know what I'm saying? And that's the world we live in. But guess what? Guess what stores were not closed during this whole COVID th- situation? Liquor stores. Liquor stores. You understand what I'm saying? Essential. Come on, man. See, this is real. This is real Everything stuff. Everything was shut down to even certain is, restaurants and things of that is nature. Real. This is but real if stuff. you owned a liquor store, you couldn't shut down. Yeah, this is <laughs> the real. The government probably was like, nah. Yeah, this is real these stuff. these doors open. Yes, this is real. I mean, is that I mean, extremely interesting point. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And and I'm trying to tell you, man, it's indoctrination that we're subjected to. And that, again, we're, we're scared of the wrong things. <laughs> we're scared of the wrong things. How are you scared of things that help you? You handled that so well. I mean, I, I just got to continue to give you credit because I am the living embodiment of the devil's advocate when it comes to a conversation. So it doesn't matter what position I actually hold. I'm willing to try to find a way to speak for the person that holds a different one. And I think that for the person who listens to this, that is thinking, oh, man, you know, that's, it's just drugs and drugs are bad. I think that there is no better way to get an understanding of what you mean by this and why you believe in this and listening to how you responded to me saying, what do you say to that person? Because you're not saying that while you may believe that everybody should do it, you're not saying that this is something that anybody needs, you know what I mean? But more so that if you are searching for a a way. Yeah, no, indeed. Which many people do. You encourage that a person possibly try this. Absolutely. And that's how I got introduced. I was, I mean, shit, I was at rock bottom and uh, I found that my building, working on my spirituality was a way um, to aid me in getting out of my situation. And again, that 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 led me to other things and, and led me to psychedelics. And um, upon trying psychedelics, I saw it wasn't as bad as I had heard mm-hmm. or feared. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it was quite the opposite. My very first trip came when I started a new job. I, I, my first week on the job, that Friday, I had my first psychedelic trip. Mm-hmm. The weeks and months after that, I became a very, very popular and confident uh, person in our office. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was a coincidence. Mm-hmm. My spirit was on a different level. My energy was on a different level. Um, and I'm not attributing 100% to psychedelics, but I definitely felt a difference once I partook. And all the work that I had put in through meditation... Um, through just my spiritual practice in conjunction with ingesting the substance manifested into a happier person that lasted for months. Mm-hmm. And even during the trip, again, you, part of the things that you experience in a trip is you have two different parts of your brain that usually don't communicate with one another that do communicate with one another. And the uh, consistent scientific assumption is that what once the high dies down your brain actually goes to default settings mm-hmm. think about it we've put all these different codes and and things into this computer that change the the settings mm-hmm. to 
to, to where it's almost like it, it's it's run out of it's run out of storage. Mm-hmm. And here's an opportunity to let your brain restart and refresh. And that's that's the objective of these substances. It's not it's not to get trashed. It's, it's not to get drunk and inebriated. It is part of it. You you don't even have to get to that inebriated state. Um, what I encourage people to do to, in getting into those inebriated states is what you'll see with that. You'll really get to see how vast your mind can work. It's it's. I just find it to be like I said. Throughout my life, I've been so enthralled with the the behavioral sciences and psychology that I've always marveled at the activity of the brain. For a long time, you know, we know Sigmund Freud now, but if you remember in Mindhunters, psychology was looked at girl talk. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't no real study. Give me that real police work. You know what I'm saying? I don't care how people behave. I don't care how they think. I don't. He's a criminal. Right. It was... it. it which speaks to the point that we was uh, that when we were talking about that earlier, that no psychology wasn't created by the serial killer or, or the interest in finding the serial killer, but understanding how the mind works yeah. and how that can bring you to find the person who is doing the act yeah. is something that took time and it took a dominant society learning to adjust to a science that can actually help you connect dots in ways that can help you, you know, build the bigger picture or see bigger pictures. And I think that's a big part of what this all goes back to is that sometimes these little things help people see the bigger picture. And I think that's the thing I'm most interested in. So I want us to revisit this topic at some point based on, well, based, not based on, I, I, I shouldn't say that, but through me having my own little experiences because right now what we're talking about is a, a person who's had it, had these experiences. You at rock bottom. You feel like it's changed and you felt the positive effects. You're now an advocate. I, uh, you know, I, I jokingly called you the expert for today. Um, but more so you are somebody who's learning, but has had a good experience and I want to have the experience and then I can come back and say, okay, you know what I mean? This is what I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think unless you have something else that you wanted to add, I think this is a good place to sign off and and uh, and look forward to the next time we talk about this. No, all I would add is, like, again, like I said in the last, you know, find your true self, be good to your fellow man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if we can live by those principles, we do our society a great justice, and um, it makes uh, all the other work that we have to do less stringent. Nice. And, you know, I just want to say as far as what Temple Number 7 is all about, man, is the reason that you guys are going to get these kind of conversations is because a belief in the partnership society that you brought up. I think that I'm going to hold on to that, what you said about that, because you were absolutely right that once you gave examples, yes, I understand what a partnership society is versus a dominant society. And I would love to see us be a partnership society of that you can be whatever feminism means to you, that it doesn't require hating men, mm-hmm. whatever or battling men or exactly. Or that whatever, whatever um, advocacy for black people, black rights, black, whatever doesn't have to mean hating white people or whatever it may be. And even 
for whatever that means for the white person, that it doesn't have to mean keeping your stereotypes and your belief in dominance over others at all costs. Because I think even in the sense that we are trying to be a more inclusive society, I think that even in that sense, we are still dominated by white people, but just in this sense, we're dominated by the white guilt of many years of oppression of other people. And I don't want that to be the reason that I must fall in line or vote how you want me to vote because you're guilty about things. I don't want you to be guilty. You know what I mean? I want you to do. You know what I mean? I want you to believe. I want you to I want your actions to portray what it is that you wish this world to be. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I love conversations like this because I feel like for anyone who listens, it should get you one step closer to an understanding of where we, I guess we could be if we accepted the ideas that are fringe ideas and are non-mainstream ideas. And if we didn't try so hard to dictate what mainstream should mean, certain things I think all people should experience that knowledge or that idea because that's where responsibility, as you spoke to, came from, comes from. You need a lot of information to be able to make a responsible decision, not just going back to our first episode, not just not just affirmation. You need the information. Right. So very fun conversation. I loved always having common, these conversations with you um, personally. I was always kind of like, OK, my boy John has lost his mind. <laughs> yeah. But then over time, I started to understand like, OK, this is something that this man believes in, has experienced, and maybe I'm the one who's being closed-minded to the ideas of what this could do. So I hope that from hearing you talk that other people, whoever they are that listen to this, will have that same kind of awakening, whether you do it or not, just a mind changed about what it means to... just a mind changed about what it means to partake and to go on this journey, I think could be beneficial. Absolutely. And and let me just add that it's, it's not easy to abuse these substances. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Like, for instance, if you try to take the same amount of psilocybin mushrooms, two days in a row, your brain is going to say, nah, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. You can't. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to, I can assure you, if you have a good solid trip, this is off microdosing you're not going to want to out of respect for the substance one and two your mind is going to be so geared towards some positive things I I, I can assure you I mean that was my experience and that's I can just that's just for me Um, but again if you talk to any other people that don't mention anything about bad trips because they don't work they don't even look at bad trips as bad trips Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time if they were to speak on their experiences, I guarantee 80 to 90% of them will tell you about how it made them feel afterward. Just like, I don't know, medicine. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, this, to me, that's what the intention should be is, is, is for its medicinal value. Uh, yes, it does offer a high, uh, which I also find to be incredibly enjoyable. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it's not something that you're going to do every day, do every weekend. You're not going to get, you know what I'm saying? You can't abuse it as you can just drink a 12-pack of beer or a fifth of vodka. Um, 
You're not, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to have to come back to it every day. You're not going to be scratching and itching and doing all it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a smooth, natural uh, experience, um, in my experience, um, that that you'll, you'll grow to respect as opposed to even want to abuse. Which is the most interesting part of this conversation, you know? Speaking to you, having drank two IPAs and be totally buzzing <laughs> off of alcohol, and then talking about what, you know, psychedelics can do. So... Really, really fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we definitely had a lot of fun doing this. Um, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for episode four. Uh, undetermined what that would be at this point. But this this was just so much fun. So, you know, I just want to sign off with that, John. Hey, peace, people. Peace, people, man. That's That, that puts it quite well, uh, especially on this conversation. So thank you for listening. We out.